Over the past few weeks, we've been following this theme of setting the pace. Hopefully, it's been helping you to take a careful look at your life and try to decide what are the best things to be doing and what are the priorities of those best things. How can you actually slow down to get the most out of life? Now, everything that you learned in these few weeks is beneficial to you, but if you attempt to put all of that into play all by yourself, you're not going to have the level of success you'd like to have. And so you need one more key instruction, and it comes from the gospel that talks to you through Jesus' words saying, abide in me. It happened on the last weekend of his life before his sacrifice. He gathered the disciples together, and this was the first time that he'd actually hosted the Passover, though probably the third time he'd been with them. And on this evening, you remember the things that happened. They broke bread together. He washed their feet. Judas left in order to betray him. And he has these men here who have followed him for over three years, and they've had long days. They've had short nights, but they've seen miracles. They've seen healings and the casting out of demons. They've heard words that they never heard before, and they've got this picture now of who they believe this Jesus is, and they have confessed that, that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But they don't understand his plan. They believe that... He is Messiah, and therefore he will take over while he's here. But he's been saying some disturbing things because he's been saying things like, I have to go to Jerusalem in order to suffer. You know, Lord, let's don't go there. You don't need to go there. You don't need to suffer. He's been saying, in a little while, you will see me no more. And they're going, no, we can't let that happen. We want to be with you. You've taught us so much. Don't leave us now. And he said, and there I will die. And of course, that one devastated him. We'll do anything to keep you from dying. Peter actually cuts the ear off of a servant when they arrest Jesus because he's trying to keep him from going in the route that Christ knew he had to go. But it's also on that night that Christ is going to explain the key to setting a pace in your life that helps you get everything done you want to get done to the glory of God. So we're going to read that in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. These words may have been spoken actually at the dinner, or they may also have been spoken as they were walking through the Kidron Valley up to Gethsemane, where he would be arrested and later crucified. But either way, they were familiar with vines. Vines were all over Israel. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament days, God had said that Israel is my vine, that that is the vine and I'm the vine dresser. So Jesus is now equating himself openly with being God when he says, I am the vine. That's what God used to say, I am the vine. He's also saying, I'm Israel. So he's the fulfillment of everything that had been planned up till now. He said, I'm the vine. They looked out on the hillsides and they saw the terraced plains filled with vines. And these vines had to be cared for on a regular basis because they were prolific, but they had to be on good solid ground. They had to be watered properly and they had to be pruned because the branches coming off from the vine would get too long, uh, too wiry, and so you'd come either in January or February and you would clip them off and take that piece of wood that had just a little bit of fruit on it and you'd throw it away. Some thought, well, why don't you take it to the temple? Because at the temple, they receive wood for the burnt offerings, and that would be a good offering that you could make from your vines. But the rule was, no, they are not even good enough to be burned under a, an offering. They can only be used for a bonfire. So maybe on that night as they're walking through the valley, they, they see the bonfires going and they see the vines and they see the fruit from the vines. And Jesus says something different to them this night because he's already told them all the I am's. I'm the bread of life. You know, I'm the door. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now he says, I am the vine. But he adds something, and my father is the vine dresser, and you are the branches. So now he's painting a picture for them that sets them into a context that they can understand. It's what he's going to say is this. If you want to produce anything in your life, disciple, then you have to be so closely engaged with me that you're actually abiding in me and I will abide in you. And together, through your abiding in me, you will produce much fruit. But it's based on how close that abiding continues through your life. So here's some thoughts to help you figure out where you are and what you need to do to have that kind of abiding so that you can have that kind of fruit. The first one is this. You have to learn to protect the connect. So you're connected to Christ, just like I'm connected to this table. Now, the Bible tells me that nothing can separate me from this connection, but you and I both know I can certainly move away from it, even though I'm connected and I can get a little less connected and I can stretch because I'm out here doing it my way. I figured it out. I don't need your help. I can get this done. But what he says is, no, you need to be connected and connection begins with acknowledgement. The acknowledgement that you need him. 
That acknowledgement happens early in your following of Christ. These disciples that started following him simply because he said, follow me, and they did, they had to develop a knowledge of him until they could finally confess, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Someone asked me not long ago, when were you saved? I said, I was saved when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for me. And I was given new life when he rose from the dead. I acknowledged that when I was 28 years old. See, I didn't save myself through my acknowledgement. My acknowledgement can't save me. Only God can save me. No man comes to the Father unless he comes through the Son. No man comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so he had drawn me into this connection, and I acknowledged it. I acknowledged who I was as someone far from God, and I acknowledged my need for him to bring me into this relationship. And so I accepted that. I acknowledged that. And now here I am in this relationship. And, and without the relationship with the body of Christ, I'm out on the fringes. It's not enough to just know about God. It's not enough to read all the things you need and gain all the theological perspective unless you're using it because that's why he gave it. He taught his disciples about himself, about the Father, about the coming Holy Spirit so that they would live in that, that they would use that method of, of thought to build the kingdom of God. Second thing you have to acknowledge is it's not about you. It's not about me. My life is not about me. As much as I'd like to think it was, it's not. God placed me here for a purpose in the kingdom. He placed me here. He saved me. He loves me. He's allowed me under his sovereign love to make tons of choices in life. And the best choices I've ever made were when I was connected to him. In those moments when I felt like, oh, I can handle this one, it was not good. And so he, out of his love, would draw me back. Well, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that back and forth and back and forth in my relationship with God. I want to be in him. The Apostle Paul said, I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against the day when he comes back. I want that kind of commitment in my life, that I am in him, that I'm so deeply in him that nothing can ever pull me away and that all my choices and all my decisions are going to be made from the basis of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that's a day-by-day -day activity. If you go back and you rewatch all the messages we brought this for on setting the pace, you will find the bullet points that will help you when you're in him to learn how to go and do the things you need to do. And so much of it is simply priority. But he has a plan for you. And that plan has nothing to do with the world, the flesh, or the devil. That plan has to do with you glorifying him by allowing him to pour fruit through you that goes on and magnifies itself and the kingdom grows. But you start by getting this connection. There was a, a story of a pastor who was meeting with a man who was not yet a follower of Christ. He was kind of semi, and he said to him, uh, so where are you in your relationship? I haven't seen you in church lately. He said, well, I don't really need the church. 
Now, we've heard that before. You've heard it from people. Oh, no, I, I can be a good Christian and not be a part of the church. Well, this is a very wise pastor. He had invited this man over to cook hamburgers, and they're sitting there, and they're flipping hamburgers, and the pastor takes some tongs, and he takes one coal while he's talking, just kind of moves it to the side of the grill underneath there and leaves it. And he keeps talking, and about 10 minutes later, he said, let me show you something. He said, see that charcoal way over here on the side? It's just kind of sitting there, and it's, it's turning black. It's not doing anything. It doesn't have any energy. It can't function. He said, but if I move it back over here, watch what's going to happen. And they stood back, and, of course, it started getting red and started to flame up again. And he said, you cannot flourish in the kingdom of God without the body of Christ. You're going to go cold. If you think you can function apart from him, you're wrong because this represents him. It's not the building, it's the people. And so we represent him and we need to learn how to live in him. If you're lightly connected, you're not really usable. So what's going to happen? God's going to come along and he's going to prune you off. He said, if you're not producing fruit, he doesn't need you. And yet he designed every one of us in here to be fruit producers. And it's his fruit through his gifts that reside in you who are his. That's why we say it's not about us. It's all about him. So protect the connect. The second thing is this. Deepen your dependence upon him. Dependence is a choice. You can listen to what God says and not act on it. You can just say, I don't want to hear what God has to say, and therefore you won't act on it. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to listen, God, and I want to act on what you have to say. Because he wants you to hear from him on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. The Holy Spirit is in there. The beauty of this passage, especially verse 5, verse 5 has three statements in it. And then it leads on to verse 7, which says, if you figured out how to have dependence upon me, how to connect with me, and how to continue in me, then you can pray. And whatever you ask, I will bring. I'll give it to you. That's the key to prayer. We so abuse prayer. Now, yes, we can pray for healing. We can pray for strength. We can pray for those who are sorrowing. We're supposed to do all of that. But what he's talking about here is if you want to be in your full design, what God made you to be, to produce fruit for him, then you can ask him to help you produce that fruit, and he will if you're abiding in him, if you're continuing in him. You don't get to take a break. There's no halftime. There's no quarters. You know, there are no periods in life. It's continuous until that day that he says, all right, you're done. You fulfilled my purpose in your life, and and therefore you can come home to me now. And that's what happens. But if you're not dependent upon him, you're not understanding this one thing. Now watch this. I thought this was so exciting when, when I studied it, is that Jesus is saying, I'm only asking you to do what I've already done. Without the Father, Christ says, I can do nothing. Wow, well, wait a minute, you're God. What do you mean you can do nothing? What he's saying is, no, when I became a man and took upon myself the the flesh of man, and I'm 100% God and 100% man, 
I placed restrictions on myself that required me to rely totally on my father. I only do what the father has given me to do. So his total dependence is living in the father. He says in another place in in chapter 10, he says, the father and I are one. Don't tell me he doesn't claim to be God. He does. He says we're one. But he made himself dependent upon the Father so that he did nothing without the Father's influence in his choice of doing that. The Spirit came and took him to the wilderness. Spirit came back. Spirit stayed with him. Spirit raised him from the dead. You see, he had this this Spirit of God in him. So the Spirit of God and the Son of God were dependent upon the Father God. Now, don't go too far with that. It can get confusing. But the point is this. Jesus is saying, as I have committed myself, connected myself to the Father, depended on the Father, and continue in the Father, so I want you to continue in me, to connect to me. I want you to be in me. I want you to live and move and have your being in me. Why? Because I love you. I want the best for you. And if you just yield to me, surrender to me, take all the lists that you've made over the last few weeks and give them to me, I'll organize them for you because there's a lot of good meat in there and I'll help you be everything that I ever intended you to be. But to do that, you have to stay in step with me. The hardest thing in the church today is to obtain what God has already blessed us with, unity. Unity is an amazing thing. We all have different opinions, but you know what? We are unified in our knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, our love for him, and our responsibility to grow and to go. We're all unified in that. Now, if we can stay in step, it'll be great. I remembered back in my young years when I was in college, first two years was a full military college, and I happened to be coordinated enough back then that I could handle a drill team with a weapon. We used something called the Springfield 03, which was a lighter weight weapon with an attached real bayonet. And you would stand there and you would spin it and you would throw it up and you would catch it and you'd throw it behind you. And the guy behind, you know, would grab it. And So we're in Atlanta, Georgia on a Thanksgiving parade. We got invited, 20 of us in this group. And we're marching full battle dress, you know, marching. We got our weapons with us. And, and I noticed that one of the guys two people in front of me, is having trouble for some reason keeping the cadence. And and every once in a while, if you're out of step, you know, you do a half step to pick it back up. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, boy, I hope he gets it right because in just a couple of minutes, he's going to throw his rifle to me. (laughs) And I'm going to get rid of mine and I'm going to reach up and grab his. And if it's at the wrong angle of spin, there's no telling what's going to happen. So we're going, and just as he has to throw, he does a half step, and there it comes, and I see it, and I know what's going to happen, and I still had to reach up, and I've still got the scar right through here where the bayonet just ripped my finger open. And I'm thinking, I think I'll get out of step and go up and take my bayonet. You know? <laughs> so I'm bleeding and marching, but I made it. Praise God. You see, when we're in step together, God will use us to accomplish great things for him. It's all about him. 
when any one of us steps out of the pattern, what we're doing is we're just taking a back step from our connection. And he said, no, stay close. Remain in step. And when you do that, that connection will, will bring many great benefits to you. And that's what we're looking for. We want to be able to do everything that God has given us to do. The more I follow that, the more I'm going to produce fruit that's acceptable to the kingdom of God. Together, we produce lives. He won't do it without us. And this is an interesting twist. Jesus says, you can't do it without me. Now, these are my words. He never says this, but the practice makes my statement true because of what God has chosen to do, the way he's chosen to communicate the gospel to the world. He's saying this, you can't do it without me, and I can't do it without you. Wow. Because this is what he's chosen. We are his means of salvation. We are the ones that touch the hurting and the sick and the lame and the blind. We are the ones that cast out the demons. We are the ones that are used by God to establish his kingdom in all places. He can't do it without us because that's not the way he chose to do it. He chose to do it through you. But the only way that's going to happen is if you continue in him. So we've talked about a deeper dependence and about being connected. Continuing in him, he increases because that's his purpose. His purpose is to cause you to be fruitful and multiply. That statement was not simply to bring more people into the world. It was also everything God does for you is to increase you. Increase your knowledge of him. Increase your dependence upon him. Increase the fruit that you produce. That's what he's about. He wants to increase. Are you at that level? Are you at the top level of production in your life? Are you doing the things that God's called you to do? It's a risk. It's worth it. And you don't have to speed up to do it. You just do it at the pace that Jesus set. Jesus said, more than what I have accomplished, you will accomplish. You will do greater things than I have done. And that greater is not that they would be greater than God, but greater in the sense that things that will impact the world and the culture that will continue to grow while I'm not here. So here's a challenge to you. The challenge is, do you recognize how important you are to the king of kings? It's not simply your salvation, your soul that he's after. But he's after your hands. He's after your feet. He's after your heart. He's after your mind. He's, he's after consuming you so that he can take you and put you right in the place you need to be at the perfect time so that someone will be influenced. Now, how does he do it? <laughs> it's kind of scary because he lets you begin to produce fruit and you think, wow, I am really doing a good job here. And then he comes along with his sickle and says, well, it's time to prune. <laughs> and that which you thought was great has just disappeared. Why? Because God knows how to increase your fruit bearing. And it's by making sure that you're not taking credit for that fruit bearing. But he's going to chop it off so that it'll be even more beautiful. I remember this summer going out onto our porch, and we got all these potted plants that are hanging down. And, 
And inevitably, it was my job. Go pick off all the dead ones. You know, and you go out there, and they're just little things. And actually, I have to take it down to do it because there's so many of them. And then your fingers are stained. And it's a terrible thing to have to do. But God looks at you, and he says, okay, I need to pull that one off and pull that one on, pull that one out. Uh, they're not producing anymore. But now you've got more room to produce. And if you'll stay with me, then it'll all work. That's what Christ did. He stayed with the Father. He went through the temptations. He went through all the struggles in his life that he was faced with because of those who opposed him and went all the way to the cross. I'm going to ask the band to come on back up. When he did this, when he began this, this process of moving toward the cross, in his mind it was, and I am fulfilling the role that I took as the second person of the Trinity. And that's an exciting thing for you and for me. So we go back to the Last Supper. There he is with his disciples, and he's now told them that they're going to have to live inside of him, and they don't know what that means yet. They will after he's resurrected. And he said, I want you in me because of this. This is my body, and I'm going to give it for you so that you can participate in it. This is my blood. I'm going to shed it for you so that you can be a part of me. So whenever you eat of this and drink of this, you're not just remembering that Christ died on a cross, but you're remembering that he did it so that he could draw you to himself. And there you could learn his pace for life and you could walk with him. And your life would be productive because of that. We're going to celebrate that today with communion. And after you've been served, if you'll just hold on, we're going to worship, and then we'll partake together, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Your love is so great for us. You've taught us so much. Help us to be obedient. Teach us what you expect us to do next. Help us remain connected and dependent, and help us to continue in this beautiful faith that we've been given. We love you, Jesus. We ask you to keep us in step with you and with one another. We pray these things in your matchless name. Amen.